Hello and welcome to the Record Celtic podcast. I'm Liam Bryce and today I'm joined by Craig Swan and Andy Bars to look at all the latest goings on at Parkhead. On the pod today, we discuss the news that Celtic are set to receive even more Champions League money after UEFA announced yet another hike in the prize pot. After Mikey Johnston's wonder goal for Scotland under-21s against England, we take a look at his prospects for next season alongside his fellow Parkhead youngsters. There'll be an update on transfer activity with a deal for Odson Edwards still on the horizon. And with Celtic players heading off to the World Cup, we take a wee look at which Celt has the best chance of international glory. So, lads, we start off again with the news that um, there's going to be even more money ploughed into the already obscene Champions League next season. Uh, up to 50% more uh, for clubs in the Champions League that could look to, that could take Celtic's revenue from the just qualifying alone up to around the, the 40 million mark and then you add into the likes of that TV revenue gate money, what kind of figures are we talking uh, Swanee for, for Celtic next season if they get to, to that group stage again Well they're talking, I mean if you, if you take all the other spin-offs into it like you've discussed, I mean what, what could it be up to 50 million, maybe more if they could get into the group stages again, I mean that's it's astronomical money. I mean everything's relative because the, the the figures that the bigger clubs will get will increase as well. So and prob, prob, probably they'll get more the ones who go further yeah. in the competition. So it's not as if it's going to allow Celtic to bridge the gap to the elite mm-hmm. because they'll be getting more as well. So, uh-huh. um, but just in terms of establishing their domestic domination uh, I'll just make I'll just make the gap grow even bigger uh, Andy what do you think yeah I echo those thoughts um, the, the big thing for Celtic with this though if they do reach the group stages is what do they do with that money um, signing one player for four million every summer with that kind of money is not really going to cut it for the fans they're going to have to plough it quite heavily into the transfer market I would imagine um, before we, they reap any rewards of it um, I'm not too sure if that's in Celtic's DNA still, and I don't know when it's going to ingrain itself in Celtic's DNA, to be honest, Craig, do you? I don't think you can... The, 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 this is the big juggling act, because, yes, if these finances go up and and people will think, OK, then you should sign three £8 million players for a start, that immediately... The £8 million players' wages immediately takes you up to mm-hmm. the 60 70 grand a week bracket. Then you have everybody else in the dressing room and their agents thinking that they're due that as well. That they, should, you know, yeah. why should the captain Scott Brown not get as much as him? He's due that as well. And why is Kieran Tierney not getting that? His agents will be the first ones at the door. And the problem is, Celtic can't guarantee the revenue because they can't guarantee getting yeah. through the qualifiers. So they can't put themselves in a position where they sign three or four really expensive players on big wages only to not qualify the following year and then they're in trouble. So Celtic fans are just going to have to accept. It's maybe just not going to be here scatter cash whether they get in or not. It's Celtic, not going to Celtic aren't stupid with their money. They're no. very, very astute. But what I don't mean throwing twenty million around in a couple mm. of players. I mean instead of signing one centre midfielder for four million like they did with Cham last summer, buy a couple of them filtered throughout the team rather than not for like eight or nine million, but mm-hmm. a couple of players that are coming from playing at a good standard, um, that can f- slot into the team after a couple of months and hit the ground running. And perform in Europe over a over a sustained period, yeah. rather than ones that are coming in, making few appearances off the bench for a couple of million, and then they disappear yeah. suddenly. Ones that they can buy in for four or five million, sell on for a profit a couple of, in a couple of years. If Celtic can reach the group stages of the Champions League again and again, then that should be what they're aiming for. I think. Yeah, so chicken and the egg, isn't it? If they mm. keep getting through, they keep getting the revenue. They can keep doing it, and as you say, Andy, getting the getting the players. I think I think the fans would be happy if, if you say if they sign maybe three. Five million pound players or something mm-hmm. like that. 
Uh-huh. They probably yeah. look at that and think, well, do you know what? That's that's in terms of wages, that's about as high as, as that, a shows, that shows ambition. I that think. shows ambition yeah. too. Yeah. Do you think the fact that a couple of the the more recent signings as well haven't really worked out then creates even more of a a sort of onus to you know to get this right again if they if they do if they do bring in this money to, yeah. to kind of show the fans that you know that the that they are still kind of keen to get in these these real quality players. I don't think anybody has a problem. I don't think anybody has a problem with them going out and getting Ajak Henry or a Lewis Morgan, but it can't just be them. You mm-hmm. know, as Andy says, they have to be seen to go and get a couple of ready mades. Obviously, there'll be decent money spent on Edward, um, and probably another two or three of that ilk. Uh-huh. Maybe two to go with them, and maybe a couple of smaller ones. Uh-huh. I think the fans would. I think the fans would be reasonably happy with that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think at this stage. If you take that away from the European perspective, a I minute mean, you touched on it briefly at the start. This one, the, the what does this then? You know, Celtic are so far ahead in terms of finances and resources domestically. If they're going to be bringing in even more money year on year, what does that? What does that mean for the rest of the, the rest of the Premiership? Is that gap only just going to keep getting bigger? Do we think? Yep. We could spend an awful long time uh-huh. talking about it, but you'll just have a situation, I suppose, similar that you have that you had in Germany with Bayern Munich. They're just so far clear. Um, it's ha- it happens in other countries, you know, where one team just keeps getting the Champions League money, keeps building the gap and going further and further away, and it's just it's an unfortunate consequence for the rest. But that's life. Yeah, it happens everywhere. It's not Celtic's fault. It's not Celtic's, no, it's no. not Celtic's problem. I mean, nobody's going to turn their nose up at that money because it's going to distance themselves further from. Aberdeen and Rangers etc but look I think no matter what any Celtic fan tells you I think a, part, a wee part of them will miss the, the days of a, a last minute winner towards the end of the season really meaning something and it'll be a while again I think before they come around but look Celtic will and the fans will accept this with open arms the fact that look, if we can get uh, 40 or 50 million in the coffers here and it will secure us uh, another couple of league titles to reach the 10 then bring it on I've always argued that no matter how much finance Celtic get or have had in recent which they've earned themselves in fairness that they get and how, there should never be any more than 12 points between Celtic and Rangers at the end of a league season because Rangers should be able to deal with the rest exactly the same way as Celtic do uh-huh. if they do their business properly uh-huh. so it should come down to 4 games and even if Celtic win those 4 games 3 and 4 now, it should still only be 12 points and you guys know that doesn't happen No, you get a game where all of a sudden, Rangers turn up, play really well in an old firm game, win one. That's, you know, three points against nine. All of a sudden, that's only six points of a gap on the table. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's what it should be. And it's, I know this isn't the Rangers podcast, but Rangers have to stop looking at Celtic just now and look at the rest. Uh-huh. And that's their best chance of closing the gap and giving Celtic a proper challenge. And as far as Celtic is concerned, just keep doing what they're doing. Celtic, Celtic aren't going to be looking over their shoulder quite rarely they should be looking ahead and wondering wh- where can we get to here what is our ambition how do we fulfil it they're not going to worry about Aberdeen and Rangers catching them at the moment I think with this, I think just to, just to talk, talk on what we're talking about Andy um, and Liam uh, although it won't help them compete at the top level of the Champions League I think everybody kind of recognises now that getting third in a group getting into the Europa League making a splash in there and I've heard this quite a lot in recent from from old players just in the past month or so. Pat Bonner said it, Rudy Vata said it the other day. They kept looking at Salzburg in the chat in the Europa League semi final and thinking they're not that great. They're mm-hmm. not as good as Celtic. Now, if they do build the club up to a certain size, I think the Celtic fans would like to see them go in and competing in that knockout stage of the Europa League. That's oh, the right. level now. Get in the group stages, fight for second, 
end up third probably worst case scenario get in the Europa League and actually have a run at yeah. it not a pretty pitiful effort against Zenit no. is what happened and, in, in Russia and you could see how much it meant as well to the fans getting into the last 32 of the Europa mm. a couple of seasons ago under Dialer when Celtic had Ajax and Fenerbahce and, and people, uh, clubs of that ilk in the group Parkhead was half empty nobody was really too bothered about the Europa yeah, League there was a huge buzz about that yeah. Zenit game wasn't oh, there? Yeah, really when it was. came around this time especially when McGregor scored that goal wow I mean what a what a response the fans gave and yeah it was a shame for Celtic that it petered out over in St. In St. Petersburg but the fans really responded to mm-hmm. reaching the last 32 and if they can do that again this year success yeah fans aren't silly fans, fans realise that the days of the last 16 and hopes of getting to the last eight of the Champions League are long gone the, the financial boat has sailed but there's a big difference between, you know, for example, if Celtic failed to get through the qualifiers and end up in the Europa League, it will be a massive downer. But it's different when you go into the knockout stages and you feel as though you're getting towards the latter end of the tournament. If they start doing that year on year and actually having a crack at it, and, uh-huh. you know, quarterfinals and things like that, that'd be brilliant. Yeah, because that, that Europa League group stage still doesn't quite hold the same yeah. sort of prestige as that as the last 32. I think it, it might have been a bit different. Yeah, um, if yeah. they dropped into the, that group stage, and I think that you think, do you think even though it's, you know, you say that financial boat in the Champions League still has sailed, the fans still want that group stage, you know, that group stage berth, don't they? Mm-hmm. As, as well as you know, then maybe he- heading into the Europa League it's, after. It's the rush of the draw for the Champions League. Who are we going to get? I mean, who's going to be coming to Parkhead? Where's the away day? I mean, Celtic took Bayern toe to toe at Parkhead last season. That's what it's all about, and unfortunately, it didn't come off in the end, but. What a performance that was that night. That's what the Champions League means to Celtic. Sure, they're not going to reach the last 16. It would, it would take a magnificent effort to do that. But if they can take on teams at Parkhead, show Europe what they're all about with the atmosphere and the performances that they can give at home, well, used to be able to give at home, seemingly, um, then, yeah, that's that's good enough for Celtic. If they can scrape into the last 32 or, or stroll into it, either way, then that, that's a really good achievement. Yeah, just be involved and get a couple of big results. Mm-hmm. I think when people would be satisfied with that. Yeah, you know, you got a couple of cracking performances, big results. As Andy said, the Bayern game was great. Forget that Bayern had two or three major players missing. I mean, that was a terrific night. Still, and they still, looked, it's still, still about a hundred million pound. Exactly, <laughs> the replacements it? were worth about sixty-seven uh-huh. million pound. And Celtic had a go at them, and, and Parkhead was buzzing that night. It was fantastic. A couple of them a season, great. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, and a bit closer to home taking it away from Europe again for a wee minute um, last night we had the Scotland under 21s uh, defeat to England uh, the Toulon tournament but Celtic fans would have been quite happy with what they saw from young Mikey Johnston you would think it was a you know a, a wonder goal you would say yeah. uh, and a bit of reaction on social media after a lot of fans saying look we'd like to see more of him next season uh, I don't know how much you guys have, have seen of this boy, but do you think he's somebody who can, especially with the likes of maybe Patrick Roberts not there, Masonda not coming back, is this is there an opportunity for the likes of him next season? I would like to think so. Um, Johnson's goal yesterday actually reminded me of a, a Paddy Roberts-style goal, the way that he jinked in between two, broke into the box and buried it. But it's, it's so difficult for youth players at Parkhead to break through um, when players like Roberts and Musonda for a wee bit or Sinclair are getting brought in and especially in Michael Johnson's position he made five appearances last season a couple in the Cups as well and he did fine and he showed promise but how do you sustain that that's that's the problem for Michael Johnson for a young player to break into the team and stay there they have to do something extraordinary that nobody in the first team has done they're going to have to get a squad and they're going to have to show what they're capable of 
going forward with an end product. Mikey Johnson's clearly got that, but unfortunately for him, so do the players in front of him. James Forrest had the season of his life. I mean, he's not going to break into the team ahead of somebody like that at the moment. Yeah, because it's kind of well accepted that young players need time, but is, is he going to get that? That maybe run of games where he can maybe have a couple of, you know poorer performances and still be mm. able to keep that place in the team is he, is he going to get that kind of well, you get, anyway? the situation is quite simple you get them if you earn them I mean there's no, there's no handouts I mean it's okay support you know the same supporters who we want guys bought for £6 million will be the ones that are saying oh I would like to see the young players coming in Kieran Tierney has shown if you come in and you play at a level you'll play it's not a case of Brendan Rodgers is almost obligated or we need to bring we need to bring one through or we better bring one through this season you're good enough you play we talked about it with Lewis Morgan in a previous podcast you come in you perform you play why would the manager not do that but he's not just going to hand out a period Brendan Rodgers has got a great phrase you want a contract to train with Celtic mm-hmm. you don't want a contract to play with Celtic and once you earn yeah, the contract to train with Celtic then you've got to go and earn the chance to play with him and Michael Johnson's no different from anybody else but Kieran Tierney and Kirk Callum McGregor uh-huh. and James before Forrest mm-hmm have shown that the, the door is open if, if you perform it's, it's all down to Mikey Johnson it's got nothing to do with Brendan Rodgers any of the coaching staff it's down to the boy himself uh-huh. Interest, interestingly the three players you've mentioned n- none of them had loan spells did they? Callum McGregor did he went down south didn't he? yeah he went to North County yeah and you've got a few more as well you've got the likes of Ralston who played and We've got Ewan, Ewan Henderson, yeah, Henderson, Connor Hazard, the young keeper. Do we, have we seen much of these of these guys? Are these <laughs> other boys that you, you'd expect might get a chance? And maybe pre-season with this, you know, this really busy schedule they're going to have coming up. Pre, pre-season, I they'll get runouts. But for the, in terms of their development, what's what's better, making three or four appearances for Celtic in a season, or playing thirty games a season in one of the lower leagues where you're kind of taught to toughen up, I suppose, a wee bit and, and learn the game. Um, at a professional level rather than development level. If players like, I've got written down here, Calvin Miller, 20 years old, where's his career really going? Mm-hmm. Is, he's got Keane Tierney in front of him. He's not Unless he's suddenly sold, he's not going to break into the, the Celtic team at left-back. Ralston, 19, he needs to be playing games. And whether it's at Dundee United on loan or at Celtic, if Lushty gets injured, that's, that's what it comes down to. He needs to play games. Otherwise, it's just going to stagnate. He's going to go nowhere. Players need these opportunities, and I'm not sure that at the moment Celtic is the right environment for these players to to get those opportunities. You and Henderson, you've touched on there. I thought Liam was good enough. I thought he was a right touch of class, Liam Henderson, and Rogers just didn't fancy him, and he's been sent away to Italy, and now Serie A teams uh-huh. are after him. You know, yeah. it, I, I, things like that don't convince me that young players, Jack Aitchison, like, is he going to break into the Celtic team with players like Dembele? Griffiths and potentially Edward in front of him he needs to play games at 18, 19 years old yeah. where is he going to do you it? have to be extraordinary yeah. you have to be of a, le- a real real level to, to come through and that's that's the problem for these kids at Celtic now that you can't just be good mm-hmm. it's not enough it's not enough to get you in at the first team and uh-huh. keep you in the first team unfortunately two years ago now Aitchison scored that goal I don't know if he's played since to be honest for the first team yeah. You, you would have thought after something like that you'd kick on a wee bit get more opportunities yeah. but it's just not happening it's a byproduct of success and, and um, clubs like Celtic trying to get a hold of all the best ones and thinning it out and only the cream rise to the mm-hmm. top when you look at is it Chelsea that had 30 was it 36 on the yeah. last year uh-huh. 
that's, so it, that's, che- that's how it works. Chelsea's it's longest like serving player had never like played a, a first team game. Yeah, it's like another that's... business for, for the likes of Chelsea, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Uh, there's young loans. Or do you think there's clubs in the Premiership that some of these boys could go yeah. into and, and do a job for, for? For Michael Johnson, the one that popped straight into my head is I, I saw a story this week that it looks like Hibs are going to struggle to keep Brandon Barker. Mm-hmm. Michael Johnson could slot right in there into Hibs uh, midfield. Something like that would be a great opportunity for him where he's going to play at least half the games of a season. You would think if Kelly don't manage to hold on to Jordan Jones, there's an opportunity for him there if Kelly are interested. That kind of thing would suit him perfectly, yeah, I think. A chance to play under two top managers yeah. there, Clark yeah. And, yeah. and Lennon as well. So you yeah. think that's the best option for the likes of him? Yeah. At this yeah. age, I think for Johnson yeah. now, I agree with Andy. I, I, yeah. I mean, you look at the attacking guys, I know there's, there's some chat that Sinclair might still go, but Morgan's obviously going to be, you would imagine, going to be ahead of him in the pecking order. Mm-hmm. He's going to get a chance in. at least, isn't yeah. he? You know, Forrest, McGregor, Rogic. He's going to struggle to get chances. Mm-hmm. And uh-huh. I, 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 I think the Ryan Christie route might be, whereas Christie's now at the crossroads, he's had his learning period, he now has to come in and do it, or that's it, it's, it's done for him. Uh-huh. And, and Johnson has got, well, I, I tend to agree with you, but I feel like this is the moment for Christie. He now has to do it or it's over for uh-huh, him. Because he's out of contract yeah. next summer. Scott so Allen's had his chances, that's over. Uh, I've had his chances and that's over. Yeah. Um, and I think, but Johnson's further back in the line. I think there's maybe a year or so or 18 months or so that he can go out and develop. Get Johnny Hayes to come back as well. Yeah. Hayes as well, yeah, I forgot about Hayes. Is there a concern though, that sometimes, sometimes when these young boys they go out and learn we've not seen I know McGregor who did Notts County came back and is now you know one of the the, the main men but there is a is there a wee bit of a trend sometimes that when these boys go out on loan that seems to sort of spell the end that they don't then come back because they've not seen too many go out on loan and then come back and force their way into the yeah. team have yeah. yeah I would I would agree mm-hmm. with that and I think it's quite often a sign of the manager doesn't fancy you um, but rates you too much to just leave you rotting on the, the sidelines I mean, Scott Allen clearly a talented boy he's yeah. done well at Hibs um, and you yeah. can see that he's a good player just not a Rogers player um, Christie that's a tough one I, I, I think he's good but for example the other night in the Scotland games I thought he's not ready to be a, a Scotland player and mm-hmm. by that notion I don't think he's ready to be a Celtic player um, I think he's at his level at Aberdeen and I I don't think we'll see him at Celtic Park next season. And of course, that's the other thing as well. I mean, you often hear players, players will tell you themselves, and you often hear it. The biggest test that Dedrick Boyata and Christopher Ayer will get in a season is five days a week at Lennox Town when they're playing against Dembele and Lee Griffiths. And it's the same the other way around. So when the, Celtic, when the young Celtic boys go to that environment, and, you know, no disrespect to Aberdeen, but when mm-hmm. Brian Christie's playing for Aberdeen against Ross County, it's only really getting tested. In the way that he would be every day at Lennox Town, uh-huh. so it's 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 a funny scenario, which which takes me back to what Andy says. I think when they go out, it tends to spell the beginning of the end. Mm-hmm. Callum McGregor's more an exception than the rule. Uh huh. Uh-huh. And you mentioned uh, uh, Christie out with uh, the Scotland squad. Uh, did any of you boys stay up to watch any of those games? I did. I watched the whole Peru game. And- it was the first one. Yeah, I watched the whole. Peru- professionals. <laughs> watched the whole Peru game, and I lasted about two thirds of the next score. <laughs> All right. So we had uh, Jack Henry didn't play against Peru, did he? But he started, started against Mexico. One, yeah. Morgan came on, and both games. How did the Celtic boys fare in those games, Andy? For those that might not have stayed up to watch them. Well, in the first one, 
Morgan was widely regarded as man of the match after five minutes of coming on. Um, he had two really direct runs um, towards the defence that showed a threat Scotland lacked throughout the whole the whole game. Does that say more about so Scotland? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Hendry, unfortunately, at fault for Mexico's winner. Uh-huh. Um, he get caught ball watching and attracted towards the ball. It was almost like a magnet just leaving Dos Santos free on the D. Um, but you know that will come with experience. I think he's not played much for Scotland and Mexico are a good team. Right. Um, so I think that will come with experience um, to be able to stick with his man. Um, Christy, no, no. For, it sounds like I'm getting on his back here and going out my way to get on his back. I just don't. I think there's a lot of hype over nothing with Ryan Christy. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. um, he, he floated in and out of the game, mostly out. Um, and I think the one really that impressed out of all the Celtic players was, was Morgan. Uh-huh. Is it that young Scottish player thing again that you spoke about last week? That I spoke about last uh-huh. week. No, it sounds like I'm dragging the game, I think Christie's one of those ones that people are desperate to see him do well because he's a young, likeable Scottish player. But the fact is, people overrate him because of the fact he is Scottish, I think, and people are desperate to see him do well and speak highly of him. I, I think if he was, I don't know, Irish or Belgian. Whatever, um, and he was at that level. People really wouldn't take two looks at him, mm-hmm. um, to be honest. Good mm-hmm. signs from Lewis Morgan, though. He seems completely fearless. This boy, doesn't yeah. he? Well, yeah. after, after the season he's had, maybe a bit of a confidence player. He's riding uh-huh. that wave at the moment, and while winning the championship with St Mirren, getting your move to Celtic, and now playing for Scotland, I mean, it seems like the only way is up. We've said that before about players, so we just have to hope, for his point of view um, and Celtic's, that it, it works. Mm-hmm. And, Rod- and Brendan Rodgers will work wonder- wonders with him uh-huh. I'm not doubting Jack Ross is a very good coach but Brendan Rodgers is a step up from him I, saw, sure. I read actually that Jack Ross was looking to take him on loan if, uh, if he starts to stutter at Celtic down yeah. at Sunderland straight away it's a natural link isn't it definitely heading towards the official opening of the transfer window pretty quiet Again, uh, as we've spoke about in le- recent weeks in terms of uh, Celtic incomings, uh, still expecting a deal for Odson Edward. Is there any any been any more movement that you've heard on that, Swanee? Or are we just oh, listen, I think once we knew it was going to be the 16th of June, then you could pretty much put the kettle on for it yeah. being around about the 15th of June at 10 to 12. <laughs> um, that's how clubs work. I mean, listen, you see every transfer window, yeah, don't you? You do. People scrabbling about half an hour to go. And, Football is a business. To get the best deal, you go at the last minute, and that tends to work. Um, I know there's a lot of Celtic fans a little bit mm, that nothing seems to be happening. They can be assured there's plenty of work going on uh-huh. and plenty of things being done. And I, it's tricky because of the Champions League qualifiers and the timing of them. People want guys signed sharpish. Yeah. And in an ideal world, Brendan Rodgers wants guys signed sharpish. But I think Celtic are now at a level in the transfer market of who he's looking at now. When you do deals early in the window, you're generally picking up scraps. Mm-hmm. Are, are ones that you know people aren't really wanting. Or whatever. Stuff that's been in the pipeline for the a while. The better ones, yeah. I mean, Celtic didn't yeah. Dyke a few years ago. They had that lined up for a while. And I think Celtic fans, understandably, were probably hoping it was maybe one of them. At least they'd been identified in February or something and it was all ready to go. But you tend to find the better ones don't... The better players don't get done until later in the window. Uh-huh. So if I, if I was... A Celtic supporter, I'd be encouraged by the fact nothing's happened yet. Yeah. And I know that might sound a bit perverse because the qualifiers are coming up and if they don't get through the qualifiers, people say, well, you should have strengthened, blah, blah, blah. But there's no point just throwing money away on the ones you don't want. Mm-hmm. And I think if the ones you're looking at, you still can't get them now because there's other interest, I would take that as a good sign. I thought, even though that might sound bizarre, I think that's quite a good sign. Yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, because... Uh, 
you, you think that these the first couple of Champions League qualifiers, you're not expecting Celtic to need reinforcements mm-hmm. to get through. Certainly the first round. Um, and just sort of bringing it back to Edward, there was a wee bit this week from PSG who are you know now looking have to sell a certain amount of players because yeah. of this financial fair play. Uh, is it, has it been a surprise that well maybe there is, but is it a surprise that there's not been more interest? In Edward from elsewhere, is there interest or is it just that Celtic have I think the, the, fact is the first it, option? Yeah, to I buy think him? Celtic had first option, it's all been agreed, the players happy, both clubs are happy. PSG have probably got, with the greatest respect to Celtic's business and odds in Edward's price tag, it's trying to shift guys like Javier Pastore. Di Maria, yeah, no 60, 70, uh-huh, 80, 90 uh-huh. million, which is going to get them back on the even keel with the FFP. Uh-huh. Not not five or six million for Austin Edward. <laughs> okay. So um, yeah, I think they'll be busy trying to get other guys out the door. And like I say, it goes back to what we said: if <clears throat> Celtic are Celtic are notoriously good at doing their business, uh-huh. and if they yeah. know a club's desperate for money, then they'll leave it to the last minute. Why wouldn't you? Yeah. I, I was trying to leave about this before we we came in here. I think the fact that there's been so many rumours at Ibrox kind of amplifies how quiet Celtic have been in a strange mm. way. And um, you, you read about it constantly all over social media Rangers linked to this person that person and the next one whereas Celtic at the moment it is, it's quiet and you're, you're scrolling through thinking right what's, what's going on here but like you said yeah, the difference um, is very quiet. Rangers and the, and the other difference is Rangers need about 10 players mm. given the state they were in uh-huh. or the state they are and they need to be seen to be whereas yeah. Celtic are looking at adding maybe one or two a real quality uh-huh. Uh-huh. It's more so you're not going to get the same yeah it's for more about refreshing the, mm. the squad rather than yeah, you know yeah. you know overhauling Um and just had a wee look before we come on about uh, some of the, the contract situations of some of the Celtic players. Now we've got uh, a few who's quite important players whose contracts are coming to an end uh, at the end of next season. Uh, we've got Beata, who we spoke about before, Scott Brown, Lustig, James Forrest, and Stuart Armstrong. Do you expect any new deals for these guys to, to come up during the summer, or is that something we're looking at a bit further down the line? I think that'll be down at the play. I mean, I, I don't think it'll be down. Scott Brown, you can obviously take out the uh-huh. equation. Yeah, That's not. He's not going anywhere. Um, is it? But Celtic business practice, I can I can think of very few who have been allowed. The only one I can think of that went in at the last year of the contract was Joel Edley and was sold in the January. Mm-hmm. It's not. Celtic are too sensible a club, the way they're run, to allow guys to run their contracts down. It doesn't happen. So there'll either be an agreement that it's going to be signed. And I'd expect them to be sold. Yeah, I think Armstrong's an interesting one. I don't think it's going to be another one-year extension. Yeah. It's going to either be a, a long-term. This is where your future lies, or he's going to be sold this year. I think James Forrest will be eagerly anticipating his pay rise after the season he's just had, and I'm sure yeah. his agent's doing a lot yeah, of hard okay. work for him. And Brown, like you said, will, will be, be another. But Armstrong, for me, is it is important to Celtic when he's fit. I don't think anyone else in Celtic's team offers what he does when he's on form. He's He's got a very, very good range of passing, but what he's very good at is driving forward and breaking the lines between midfield and defence. Celtic really don't have another midfielder that does that with the ball at their feet. And I think that's where he comes into play for Celtic, comes yeah. into his own. And it's the same for Scotland. I think mm-hmm. Scotland really need to build the midfield around him. And I think when when Armstrong's injury coincided when Cham's form, that was really unfortunate for him. Uh-huh. And he struggled to kind of break him, break back into the side after that. But when Armstrong's on form and fit, 
for me, he's Celtic's uh, pivotal midfielder. I certainly think in some of the domestic games when they're a bit stale, and there were certainly enough games at Parkhead this season where Celtic struggled to score goals and break teams down, and they became a bit low tempo. Uh-huh. Armstrong's given. I think when Armstrong let himself down last season was the Champions League games. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. There was a couple of the big European games where he just looked like a rabbit in the headlights, and it was really noticeable. I think yeah. one of them he got hauled off at yeah. half time. He um, did, and he did not perform well. And certainly, the Stuart Armstrong now is not the same Stuart Armstrong of twelve months ago. When everybody's saying, "Got to try and get him tied in," a lot of supporters are kind of shrugging their shoulders now. And I don't. I also don't think. I don't know the inner workings of what's happening with his his agent and who's interested and who's not. We've got an idea, but. I'm not sure they're queuing up the way they were. Yeah. And it's a bit of a, a, a tricky time now for Stuart because whereas last year there was clubs interested and they were talking of figures of six, seven, eight, even ten with a year to go on his contract. You wouldn't even sure get half of that. I'm not sure who's going to take him now. Uh-huh. That puts him in a tricky situation. He may have to take, he may have to sign a new deal. But if he does sign a new deal, Celtic won't allow him to sign another one year, as Andy says, that'll not happen. Is it going to be either you commit to us either or, commit to us or, or you're off, yeah. basically? And, yeah. and he may not get what he's looking for. Yeah. And the thing is, if he doesn't get bought, I mean, well, someone will come from him, I would guess Celtic would, but he would get something, but it might not be the level that he's thinking. But I th- I th- this time last year, I was maybe wrongly in hindsight, or rightly, you might think, comparing Stuart Armstrong's influence to Celtic to that that Stan Petrov had when he was in his prime. That's no unfair to you, Andy. Yeah. This time last year, the way he finished last season, he was dynamite. Yeah. He was brilliant. I thought he was such a dynamic midfielder that really was pivotal to the way that Celtic played. And then now this, this now at this point, at the end of this season, people are, I think, looking at Callum McGregor, the way they looked at Armstrong last season. Uh-huh. The way that they season that Callum McGregor just had mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and luckily, McGregor's under contract for, for Celtic's sake. Um, I, I, I don't know where Armstrong... Would go? Would he, would he go to a, a team? I think it would be England, but would it be a team that are battling for top ten, maybe like Leicester or Newcastle? That like I think he would have got last summer. Or is he now going to be going to teams like Huddersfield or Bournemouth or that the ones that are going to be staving off relegation every uh-huh. year? Because yeah. I, I'm not sure that's a game that suits him. I think he needs to be playing in a winning team, and I, because of the type of player that, that he is. A, a defensive team, I don't really think really suit Stuart Armstrong. Yeah. You could see him going to Burnley yeah. though, couldn't you? Because mm. Sean Dyche wanted them at Dundee when he left Dundee United uh-huh. and Celtic right, okay. outbid them, but whether Burnley have now gone too far up the ladder for him, that's the problem. Europe now, aren't they? They, 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 they have may gone beyond the level of Stuart Armstrong. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Boyata's interesting because, but nothing happened with that. All the vibes everybody was getting was the agents would rather he waited till after the World Cup to put himself in the shop window. I myself asked Boyata straight out before the cup final what was happening with it with a new contract and he said he was in talks and he was very happy but it was the type of thing you would have expected Dedrick Boyata to say three mm. days before the cup final <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah he's, he's not, not going to drop that now. bombshell is he but nothing's happened and whether he gets games at time at the World Cup or not I think we all suspect he probably won't he might get the last 15 minutes of a game or something if they're trying to see but we don't really expect him to start games uh-huh. but, he's, got, he's got a Barcelona <laughs> but if if by chance he happens to play he'll get a buyer you're uh-huh. playing in a Belgian World yeah. Cup team yep, yep. and you play well and you've only got a year left in your deal and you can be bought for I don't know single figures million uh, well, we he'll, gonna... he'll get bought he's got Vertonghen Alderweireld and Vermaelen in front of him so he's not yeah. going to start but if one of them gets injured uh-huh. and let's face it Alderweireld Vermaelen aren't the most Vermaelen has been injured yeah. Com- yeah. companies, companies have is, it, is is it? struggling yeah he's so struggling 
I mean, it could. I mean, I suppose it could happen. We're going to come on to it. We might, we might as well head on to that now. Celtic players at the World Cup. We'll start off with Boyata. Uh, just as we've as we've said, there is a. It's not. It's not a given, but with company struggling, he's notoriously had problems over the years for Marlin as well. There's a could be a, an opening there for him. Uh, so for maybe just take the or the players one by one and see who's got the best chance of, of really making an impact at the World Cup. So Boyata, we would say maybe maybe 40, 60, 40 against him. Yeah. Boyata playing a big on role. others. Yeah, uh-huh, dependent on others. I think that's the problem. But would yeah. we agree that Belgium have got the definitely got, They've the, best got the best chance, chance of, of going far. But for me, there's only one contender about who can have the biggest impact. It's Roger. Mm-hmm. But he's the he's the one that will will draw focus from fans from in terms of what he's all about. I mean, he's got I've got France, Peru, and Denmark in his group. Australia, obviously not favourites. But if he can lead Australia to the last sixteen or at least influence them, we've got him and Aaron Moy, the excellent Simpson yep. player, um, going forward. Jamie McLaren. To, Aye. Yep, another um, Scottish link. Jackson Irvine, another Scottish mm-hmm. link. Uh, so maybe we should support Australia. Yeah, yeah, there we go. Sorted. <laughs> but he's got look, Rodgers up against France defensive players: Kante, Tolisso, and Zonzi. Big, strong guys. Kante, mm-hmm. obviously, small but strong guys. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, if he can worm his way around them, and and you know, yeah. a lot of eyes on games like that. A lot of eyes on him. Uh, Michael Lustig to me I think could have the best tournament because he gets he's, he's had a lot of criticism this year from the Celtic fans and some of it's been justified because he hasn't looked the player that he maybe was the two or three years before and he, and he got found out a couple of times in the Champions League games but he seems to have this influence in the Sweden camp that he's, that he's got within the Celtic dressing he's so popular mm-hmm. in the Celtic he's kind of man at the centre of everything and all that uh-huh. stuff and he's really highly regarded by the Swedes. Whenever you, the, the Swedish manager did an interview after they qualified when they beat Italy in the playoff, and he basically said he's the heart and soul of this group. He is. He is this group. Mm-hmm. And Sweden, as they showed when they got past Italy, they can dig out results. Yeah. And they can be strong defensively. Oh, yeah. they, they could. You could see them sneaking to a last eight. Yeah, they look maybe like, hardly losing a goal and Lustig being one of the stalwarts. Yeah. You could see that happening. One of those sides who don't really. They're not great to watch. No, you wouldn't have been turning the but, TV on to watch them. There, there is, a, there is, there is always a team that who are just, you know, they seem to be well organised. They're dogged. They know exactly how they're going to play, and then you're right. They, you do generally get a team like that who sneak into, Costa Rica, you know, yeah. exactly who sneak into the the latter stages. Yeah. Is he maybe has to play? A, is it a different role with Sweden as well? Because it's obviously a different setup. Yeah, he doesn't have. It, it, the thing is, when he plays for Sweden, he doesn't have to empty his position the way he does at Celtic. Uh huh. You know, it's a bit more of a, a Walter Smith style Rangers where the. You know the full backs thought the halfway line was the edge of the cliff. You know, you, you, you know they don't. He doesn't go bucking even forward or rampaging uh-huh. around the back of James uh-huh. Forrest, leaving himself open to being counter attacked. Yeah, they're more about their shape, they stay, in the ball. They're more solid. No um, final product necessary. Yeah. <laughs> so uh-huh. he's he's like I think I think looks to go probably have a good tournament. He's, uh-huh. he's going to be tested though. At Germany, Mexico, and South Korea. It's like a bit like a Champions League group in terms of players. He's going to be coming up against Royce. Thankfully for him, no Leroy Sané. That'd be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Matchup. But Royce, Draxler, Hyungman Son, Carlos Vela, these are top quality players. Lustig's gonna have to stop. Uh-huh. Um on the on the evidence of his performances for Celtic, can he do it? I don't know. But um like Swanny said, Sweden are a resolute team and they showed against Italy that they can grind out results and I think the bit of a club mentality 
Yeah, I should so. I should suppose caveat that by saying it's probably the worst Italian team in as I've ever but they still got the job done. Yeah. And Gamboa as well, chance for Celtic fans to actually get a look at mm-hmm. him and see yeah. what he can see what he can do. Well, he's a national hero, isn't he, Gamboa? Because oh, he was yeah. part of that squad the last time, and those guys are all yeah. vetted to the to the heights by that. But he'll probably do it. Right? Again, he's he's popular amongst his group. He'll play. He's mm-hmm. seen as one of the senior guys. So he'll probably be alright. Right. The Costa Rica coach asked Rogers to give Gamboa a bit of a run out towards the end of the season, which was firmly ignored. Um, uh, he's still finding his way into the squad. Um, similar to Sweden, I think it must be about a club mentality. So if you've shown you can do it in the past, yeah. it doesn't matter what your current form is, you'll be in. I, I read online that a Costa Rican legend, Walter Santano, said if Gamboa doesn't play, he should be nowhere near the World Cup, and I'll tell him that to his face. So I'm not sure if he's going to. Yeah. If his form at Celtic or his lack uh-huh. of playing at Celtic's done him any favours, which clearly hasn't. Um, so is this guy involved with the national team setup, or is he just a no? No, I think he is. No. I think he's just a like a Costa Rican McFadden kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. He played. Th- they played three games last season. Gamboa for Celtic. Yeah. Right? He'll play more for Costa Rica than he did for Celtic. I think last he, season, is, right? well, he made four appearances possible. for Costa Rica and three for Celtic. I think something like that. I'll be up against he Neymar. At disappeared some point. off the face of the earth after the. Bayern Munich away game didn't he I think he came back oh, for was it St Johnston at home but after that he was yeah he I was there that night and the other hands it was uh, <laughs> oh, felt sorry for it him. wasn't he pretty was it oh no you, you don't need to be not playing for weeks and weeks and then if Kingsley Coleman on your case <laughs> so we're back in Tom Rogic to be the obviously Belgium the best team but Tom Rogic to be Celtic's star yeah. at the as, World Cup as Andy says Tom Rogic he's, he's, the, the way, what he does for Celtic he's the type of guy that could get a bottom Bit of quick feet on the edge of the box and score a wonder goal. Mm-hmm. And, and some people have played about a million times. He's yeah. got a decent record, scoring record for Australia, seven goals, yeah. six caps or something. That's not bad. Yeah. Uh, and there was a there was a, a a match report from one of Australia's friendlies the other week there, and it just kind of seemed to he seems to have a real status within this team. The match report, it was if you, you broke it down, he was mentioned every single right. nearly every single par there was a bit about getting the ball to Tom Rogic, getting Tom Rogic involved. Tom Rogic was struggling to get involved and it was just so he seems to be uh sort of very highly highly regarded Have there as well. Is he does he play at ten for Australia? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Anyway, that's all from us this week. Thanks to Craig and Andy for joining us. If you want to continue the debate, you can find us on Twitter at Record Sport and we're on Facebook as well. We'll be back next week to talk all things Celtic, so don't forget to subscribe on Acast and iTunes to get the pod as soon as it's available, and you can also rate us on there as well. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs>